The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. not been to PCC for a little while, we've uh, embarked on a new series that we're looking at. We're in the third week, and the series is called Speak Out, and uh, it's part of our larger theme for this year called, um, uh, I can't even remember what it was, Radiate. <laughs> lost there for a moment, brain blank. Um, we're looking at living our lives as Christians in, in out there mode. Uh, being a blessing, uh, reflecting Christ, radiating Jesus in different ways out there. And so this month we're looking at our words and how we can use our words to do that. In the first week we, we looked at how we can use the gifts of the Spirit um, to, to kind of do that. And we had a workshop yesterday on that and there were several of you there which was really, really helpful and, uh, and really encouraging and stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and that's what we want to see more and more in our church uh, as we go forward. And then uh, last week, we looked at the power of encouragement uh, and speaking words of life to our friends, our family, our community, our workplace. And this week, I want to look at the power of your story. And so my message is entitled, Tell Your Story. Um, But before we kind of launch into that, I want to give you a bit of a heads up, because in two weeks' time, it's the day of Pentecost. Now, we're a Pentecostal church, and if you don't know what that means, it means that we believe in the present work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, based on Acts chapter 2 and and continuing on in the book of Acts, and that we believe that that God's Spirit is, is here, it's been poured out, He's in our hearts, and He wants to empower us and clothe us, as Jesus mentioned at the end of Luke, in power to fulfill the works and the words of Jesus as we continue to live our lives for Him. And so on that Sunday, we're we're really going to be praying for us as a church. We want to pray for you individually to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've not had that experience of the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of that through speaking in tongues or other words or other gifts of the Spirit. We're going to believe for that, whether that's for the first time or it's been a long time or you, you, you feel that and you just want more of God. Uh, We're really going to have a time of praying for people individually. And so I want to encourage you, be prayerful, come prepared, come expectant on that day. And so I'm giving you two weeks heads up so you can really be seeking God um, for that experience and for for a real breakthrough in your life. So if you can just kind of keep that in mind, because really that's where, where we need to go. We need the power of the Spirit. We can't just do this in our own strength. We need God's enabling. We need God's power and God's Spirit. And He's made it available for us. And so I really want us as a church to believe for that and to hunger for that and to really seek that. This morning, telling your story. Now, again, like I said last week, this series is kind of really straightforward, and I want it to be really practical and really helpful. But this morning, I want to really encourage you that there is great power in story. Uh, particularly in a, in a postmodern world that we live in where people are questioning uh, the power of reason and, and rationality and, and we're kind of really saying all truth is relative and there's no such thing as absolute truth and a whole bunch of stuff that deconstructs previous generations. Story still carries a lot of power. Even though at one level people can dismiss it and say, oh, well, that's just your experience and your story and it doesn't have to be mine. Still, there is power in, in people recognizing that something has happened in your life. 
And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about how you might tell your story. And I want to go to John chapter 9, where uh, this man encounters Jesus in a, in a powerful way. And his life is completely transformed. And out of that, we see some principles that will help us think about story, think about our story, and talk about our story. And so I just want to read a few verses. Um, pretty much it's the whole chapter. If you want to read it in detail and reflect on it, you can do that. But I want to read from verse 8 onwards. It says this, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Notice this, Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus has made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Verse 17 is such a key verse. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around it as a faith community. And we pray that you will speak to us. Help me to communicate your word faithfully and help us to hear what your spirit is saying to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just again, like last week, some principles, some practical things, and then uh, some other observations. First, the, the principles. Number one, we all have a story. We all have a story to tell. Now, again, it might not be as dramatic as of being, being blind and then having our eyes open. But each of us, if we have genuinely encountered Jesus Christ, and that's a big if, if we have genuinely encountered Jesus Christ, we have a story. Because our lives ought to be different in light of what Jesus has done for us. One of my favorite things in any church, in any service I go to, is water baptisms. In that moment where these men and women are thinking about and, and seriously taking the words of Jesus to follow him, and they are about to have this uh, wonderful experience of being water baptized, and they have the opportunity to tell just a little part of their story. And hearing what God has done in their lives is just so inspiring. One of the first things I like to do when I meet new Christians is ask them, not new Christians, as people who are new to me who are Christians, is to ask them, tell me your story. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? How, what was that? And it's amazing how God works in different people's lives in different ways. And I love the story. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you that we all have a story to tell. And I love that in this passage, the, the people who knew this guy were the ones who were finding it hardest to believe that it's the same guy. Imagine that, that your life is so different, your life is so transformed, your life is so completely reoriented 
by Jesus that the people who used to know you, your friends, your family, your colleagues, just can't believe that you're the same guy. The, the story goes on to say that the Pharisees were so struggling to believe that they had to call his parents and say, look, is this guy your son? Is he the blind guy, your child that was born, born blind? How can he see? And then they respond saying, well, we know he's our son. We, we know he was blind, but how he can see? Well, we, we don't know that. You have to ask him. Imagine that, that the people who used to know you BC, before Christ, are so struck by the transformation that Jesus has brought about that they just say, I can't believe you're the same person. I just can't believe you're the same person. Each of us has a story to tell. The second thing I want you to see here as a general principle is that we can all tell our story. And what I mean by that is that in this passage, and you'll see as you continue to read uh, John 9, that there's a whole bunch of different opinions and debates going on throughout this passage as to who Jesus is. Jesus' identity, the Pharisees are kind of, because he healed this guy on the Sabbath, they're really struggling to accept that he's from God. And, and, and he says that, the blind man says he's a prophet, and the, and the Pharisees can't accept that. And, and the debate continues. And I love the fact that this guy doesn't enter into any of those debates. And some of us, we think that to be effective out there among our friends and our co-workers and family, that we need to have all the answers. And I love the fact that twice in this story, the guy says, I don't know. Verse 12, where is this man? I don't know. Verse 25, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I want to say to you, you don't have to have all the answers. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't think and we shouldn't read and we shouldn't learn and we shouldn't grow and we shouldn't be able to reason. But not all of us are good at debating. Not all of us can be good at apologetics, which is giving a reasoned explanation for our faith. Not all of us can you know, be like Paul who can stand in front of people and make a public speech in front of a whole bunch of people. Not all of us are gifted to do that. But all of us can tell our story. We can all do that. And it's... It's okay to say, if somebody says, oh, but what about this? And what about that? And I've read this. And what about the dinosaurs? And what about Noah's Ark? And you can just say, look, I, I don't know. Look, some of those things I've kind of thought about and I have some thoughts about. But I don't know. But I do know that I was blind and now I see. I was this. I met Jesus. And now I'm this. And the rest I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to learn. Augustine said, it's it's." Faith seeking understanding. And that's okay to have things that we don't understand, that we don't know, that we haven't figured out yet because we are living in light of the difference that Jesus has made. Tell your story because you can. We can all tell the story. The third principle is that always be ready to tell your story. Always be ready. And, and in, in Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says that, that when you live a, a godly, Christ-honoring life in a world that's countercultural and going a different way, people will want to know the reason for the hope that you have. So always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to give an explanation for the hope that you have. And I love the fact that as the story goes, these Pharisees in verse 17, they turn to him and say, well, what have you to say about Jesus? You're the one who's, uh, who, uh, whose eyes have been opened. Always be ready because you never know when somebody will say, well, tell me what you think about Jesus. You know, you're the one that's going to church and you're the one that's not doing this and you're the one whose life's changed. Help me understand this Jesus guy that you follow. Bill Hybels tells this story. 
And this is, you know, he makes this challenge about sharing your testimony and telling your story. And he says you should be able to do it in 30 seconds with three to four sentences. And I'm like, wow, I'm still working on that. And the reason why is he said this. He said there was a time, Bill Hybels loves, he's an American pastor, if you don't know who that is, and he loves sailing. And so he was part of a sailing club, and he loves to race yachts and stuff like that. And he was part of this club that, that weren't Christians, and that was one of the ways that he was making sure that he had contact with people who weren't Christians. And through the process of you know, getting to know these guys, he, he was going sailing with one of these guys. And they were on the dock, and they were getting the boat ready and organizing the, you know, all the equipment and, and stuff like that. And so they were just about ready to, to kind of push off. And, and the guy was on the, on, the, uh, on the wharf undoing the ropes. And they were talking about Bill Hybels and how he's a pastor and you know, stuff like that. And, and just as this, the guy reaches up to Bill Hybels, and Bill Hybels you know, is extending his hand to pull him up on the, on, the, on the boat. And in that moment, the guy goes, so Bill, why do you follow Jesus? And Bill Hybels tells the story that he knew that it was only in the moment that he would have to grab that guy's hand and pull him up onto the boat that he had to actually say something. Because once the guy got on the boat, the preparations for sailing would continue and they'd just carry on from that point. And so he said in that moment, he had to be ready to say something about who he believed Jesus was. And so that's where his whole thing comes from. 30 seconds, three sentences, that might be all you have. And you never know when that opportunity might present itself when somebody says, well, why are you a Christian? And they don't want a long 20-minute sermon. They just want you to tell your story. Always be ready because you never know when that opportunity might present itself. Okay, a couple of other practical things. Um, There's essentially four parts to telling your story. One is the past. The past, what was life like for you before you met Jesus? What was life like for you, you know, before you found out the truth about Jesus? And this is where some people really struggle. If you've grown up in church like me, you kind of go, well, I don't, I don't have, I wasn't an alcoholic, I wasn't a drug addict, I wasn't a gangbanger, I wasn't a prostitute, I wasn't all these really bad, terrible things. And we dismiss the sinfulness and the brokenness and the lostness of our past. But what, what did that look like? You see, not all of your friends are gangbangers and prostitutes and sinners like that anyway. So if you were that, it's like, well, I can't relate to that. If, if you work around people who are just like you, they're moms and dads, they're single people, they're regular working people just like you. But what did that past look like for you now looking back? Tell, put that together. What was I, what was I thinking? Where, where was I at in my life before I encountered Jesus? The past. The second part is the encounter part. How did you meet Jesus? How did that happen? Did someone invite you to church or did you, somebody give you a leaflet to read? Did you have a conversation with someone at work? What got you exploring and considering Jesus? Did you get invited to a Bible study? Did you go to a movie like Case for Christ? What was it that God was working through and using to bring you to a point of seeing Jesus for who he really is? How did that encounter happen? And again, for some people that can be very ordinary, very rational, but for others, it can be supernatural. It can be profound. It can be, it doesn't matter. What was the moment for you when you encountered Jesus? The third part is the present. What does your life look like now? And here's the temptation we often have as Christians is to make that really rosy. Now my life is problem free. Jesus has come and he's fixed all my problems. And wow, life is so good. 
Everyone can see that that's fake. People don't need fake. They want reality, authenticity. And that's why I love in, when, when Paul tells his story, he, he does that. He talks about his past. This is how I used to be. And there were some good things about my past that I you know, enjoyed. But then I had an encounter with Jesus. And even those good things changed. And now my future is different, but it's not problem-free. I get beaten up now. I get thrown in jail. And he's actually testifying while he's under arrest because of his present reality that his commitment to Jesus brought about. You don't have to make it unreal and, and better than it is. Just be truthful and say, this is what life is like now. Yeah, I still struggle with stuff, but I have this. And my life is different this way now. The present the fourth aspect that often a lot of people kind of don't really take their story to, which I see in this story, is the aspect of challenge. Bring people to a place where you kind of serve the ball back, you, you know, hit the ball back using a tennis metaphor, into their court and say, okay, well, who do you say Jesus is? And I love what this blind man does. And if we read down as we continue... Um, in verse 26, they, they are, the Pharisees ask him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he says, I love this. He answered, I have already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want me to tell you again or hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love that. This is a blind beggar. He's a nobody. And this is the religious elite. And he's taking it to him. He's saying, oh, you're interested in following Jesus too. Because it, it forces people to kind of go, well, what do I think about Jesus? I love that when they ask him, who do you say Jesus is? He says, he's a prophet. Again, it, it engages with their preconceptions and it challenges their ideas. And they have to respond to think about who Jesus really is. It's not enough just to kind of tell your story. You need to take it to that next level of challenging them to think about who they think Jesus is. Tell your story. Okay, some practical things real quick. Number one, listen first. Listen first. Often when we talk about, you know, using our words and telling our story, we, we just re- we're like a bull at a gate. We're just raring to go. And if there's even any hint of an opportunity, we're in there with a three-point sermon. The power of telling your story is knowing other people's stories. Is listening, is knowing people, is knowing where they're at. And earning the hearing for your story because you've given the grace and the care to listen to other people's stories. Be interested in people first. You're not there on a mission to just download your story to everyone who would give you the time of day to hear it. You're there to care about people, so listen first. Second thing, like I said, keep it brief. Keep it brief. Try and get it under two minutes if you can. One minute would be even better. 30 seconds is tough, but it's probably doable. Just something little. Your story is not there to convert people. Your story is there to interest them in seeking out Jesus for themselves. That's what it's there to do. So don't feel like you need to download everything. Wet their appetite because they see what Jesus has done for you that maybe they will want to consider what Jesus can do in their life. Keep it brief. Number three, get rid of all jargon. The longer you've been a Christian, the harder this is. You know, saying Jesus' blood washed over me and I felt purified. It's like, what are you on? 
You know, that makes sense to us in a weird kind of way, but it's kind of freaky when you're out there and people don't know what you're talking about. Get rid of jargon and get somebody to help you do that. Write it out and go, where's all the Christianese? Let me just get rid of that and talk in real, normal English. Get rid of jargon. Number four, practice. Practice. You know, yesterday in this workshop, that's one of the things they kept saying over and over again. Even to move in the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to practice. Practice in your connect group. Say to someone, hey, I've been working on my story. Can I tell it to you? Can you time me? Tell me how long it takes. Can you hear if there's any Christianese that comes out? Can you help me make it better? Because I want to I wanna get this right. I want to learn. I want to be ready so that if ever I have the opportunity, I can just share my story. Practice it. Get people to help you. Get people to listen. And you can even do this in your workplace. Saying, look, my pastor sent me this homework. I've got to work on my story. And, uh, can, do you mind if I practice on you? I've got to practice it. Just, all I need is 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds for me to tell you my story. And can you help me make it better? Can you see if I said things that didn't make any sense to you? It's a great way to get your story heard. Practice. Last one, trust God. Trust God. And again, you know, I'm not here to kind of just give you a whole bunch of theories and go, oh, if you just do these things, everything. No, God is sovereign. And this is God's work. It's God's mission field. And it's God's love and heart for lost people that compels us to go. And here's what I want to say about that. Sometimes we look at our story and we look at our lives and we go, oh man, if only I was blind and my eyes were opened. If only I was dead and I was raised to life again. If only I had cancer, if only I, have, if only I had whatever it is, fill in the blank, then I would really be able to tell my story. Let me say this to you. If the people that you are working with, going to school with, at uni with, in your neighborhood, needed to hear that story, somebody else would be there. The reason you're there is because the people that you're surrounded with need to hear your story. See, God is sovereign. And if God has placed you where you are, there are probably people just like you who are struggling and have struggled with the same things you once struggled with, things that you need to wrestle with and that Jesus changed radically. They need to hear your story. Trust that God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be and tell your story. So speaking about stories, uh, we have a, a, a couple, George and Mary, who usually come to our second service. Uh, some of you might have met them, Americans, they're working here. And Mary has had uh, an incredible encounter with Jesus that she just wants to share. And so next Saturday morning, if you're interested, she's going to be um, sharing her testimony and her story with whoever is there, whether it's two people or 20 people. She, she doesn't care. She just wants to tell her story. And so if you're interested in hearing it, um, keep an eye out on the um, weekly e-newsletter and all the details will be there and you can check that out. So what I want to do now is to ask you a question. What have you to say about Jesus? What have you to say about Jesus? If someone were to ask you that as you're getting out of the bus and you're about to walk into a cafe to order your coffee and you know you've got 30 seconds, how would you answer that question? What have you to say about Jesus? That's the question the Pharisees asked the blind man. And it was an instant. And it was going to go on. The debate would go in a different direction. That's the moment he had to say, I was blind, now I see. What would you say? Because we're going to do that right now. And I don't want anyone to go for three minutes or five minutes because we want as many people as can to do this. 30 seconds to a minute is all you've got. All right, we've got another microphone. I want you to be thinking. 
how would you answer that question or how would you tell your story in 30 to 60 seconds? And if you go past 60, I'm going to gong you. I'm going to say, time's up. I've already left the building. All right, so here's mine. Before I encountered Jesus, I was full of myself. Hillary was in the middle of my life. I was arrogant, I was selfish, and I was fiercely independent. I didn't think I needed anybody, didn't think I needed anyone. And at some point, even though I grew up in a Christian family, I'd come to the point where Jesus was just on the fringes of my life. He was there to serve me. And I was traveling in the U.S. after finishing uni, and that's when Jesus kind of grabbed a hold of me. He opened my eyes, and I began to see the road I was on and where it would lead me. And the end result of that was going to be a place of death, of loneliness, and of emptiness. And I remember thinking, I don't want to live that way. And Jesus offered me a different life. He said, you can choose. You're at the crossroads. You can choose to follow me. You can, I will not be on the periphery of your life, but if you put me in the center, your life will change and you'll be different. And so I decided to surrender my life to Jesus. And since then, I've been growing in reorienting my heart to put Jesus first and get me out of the center. And every now and again, I still am selfish and I still kind of get it wrong. But he has so oriented my heart that I've gone from being a taker to now being a giver. I've gone from being all about me to now being all about him. And, and, you know, when I tell my story, I just think, well, I don't have a dramatic story. But you know what Jesus saved me from? He saved me from myself. That's what he saved me from. And I'm so grateful because he's completely changed my heart to be devoted to him and not worship myself. And I'm thankful for that. How many seconds was that? Anybody time me? Less than one minute? Too long? Come on. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. My wife. I don't know. Who invited her? I don't know. All right, your turn. Where's the second microphone? Come on. What have you to say about Jesus? What have you to say about Jesus? We're not going to pick people. Thanks, Graham. Great. You can do it from where you are. You don't need to come to the front. Oh, okay. But Graham wants to. That's okay. I'm just saying, because that's part of your 30 seconds. Oh, no. All right? Okay. You can stand up and do it. Okay. I went to church for 30 years thinking I was saved, and I came to the realisation one day that the people in my street, who were exactly the same as me, were not saved, but I was saved because I went to church. Right. And so I knew there was something deeper, and it wasn't until someone explained to me the relationship with Jesus... And the Bible says, you know, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so I investigated that and decided that I needed Jesus in my life. Excellent. Well done. Fantastic. Marie, you had your hand up? Just Marie over there. I'll just use my notes to remember the three points. Um, okay, so um, my past was I was brought up Catholic, but I didn't really know God. And I was running my life my own way and I was experimental and rebellious and I'd done a lot of things wrong. And then I encountered Jesus when I saw him in somebody else and I thought, wow, that's what I want. And he met me in that and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, that's me. And I saw, okay, 
my life again was leading down a wrong path and he showed me that, even though at the time I thought it was good and I saw actually, no, I'm at the crossroads too and if I choose this way, it's not going to be good. I didn't exactly want to follow God but I thought it would be slightly better, so um, I did. And, um, yeah, as soon as I did, I felt lifted up. I felt a depression lift. I felt I got delivered from abusing alcohol and smoking and um, I could then have real friendships with people. I wasn't just using people for my own sort of experience and, um, yeah, just felt a love in me that was able to come through in my work and in all areas of my life and probably went a little bit on the other side, like telling everyone, well, look, you've got hell on one side, heaven on one side, what do you want? <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it's just been a process of God teaching me about him and his ways and it's a really exciting life that I lead now with him. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Fantastic. We've got time for a couple more. A couple more. Somebody put their hand up. Oh. I thank you to the Lord because from the young age, I remember many things happened to my life. And I come to Australia for birth and life, but I come here and Jesus find me, not to find him, Jesus find me. I said to my wife many times, he said, careful when you drive in many accidents. I said, if I go under the wheels one side, I drive the truck and I turn upside down and go under the wheels, no scratch. And I didn't ring it up. I speak in tongues, some people get me up. My wife come from far away. She's not safe. And so when he said, I'm very long. I pray the Lord. The Lord will always faithful. We have to trust him. We have to believe him because he is our savior. He always goes in the front of us. That's not what's given to our life. We have eternal life in heaven with him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. One more. <laughs> Jeremy, at the back. This is probably the shortest one. I've been to Buddhist temple as a kid, been to the monks, um, sat with them. Then my little sister brought me to Sunday school and I felt at home there. And I thought I've come home to family. That's it. Excellent. If the band can come up. We're going to finish by celebrating communion because that's what this is about. It's the story of Jesus. It's his broken body, his shed blood that unifies us, that saves us, that cleanses our sin and our past and gives us a new beginning and a new hope. 2 Corinthians says, the old is gone in Christ and the new has come. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just begin to open your mouth and just thank him. Thank him for saving you. Thank Him for reaching out to you. Thank Him for pouring His love into your heart. Thank you. Thank Him for revealing Himself to you, for opening your eyes, oh, for turning your life around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. Jesus. It's who you are. Thank you, Lord. 